Before the start of this episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast that I am producing for my friend Aisha. It's called the Botanica Podcast. I wonder what she thinks of that pronunciation. But anyway, <laughs> uh, here's a trailer for the podcast. You can subscribe to it uh, anywhere you get your podcast, just like ours. Here it is. Welcome to the Botanica Podcast. This is your host, Aisha. Listen in as we discuss topics like love, health, sex, relationships, and even alternative medicine. We stream live every Sunday at 8 on Facebook. Listen to the Botanica Podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to stop by our Botanica every Sunday. We have a lot to share. By the time you hear this podcast, you'll fuck with us. Because you know we got it. Fuck with me, you know I got it. Fuck with me, you know I got it. Sex bitch, I hope she got it. Come fuck with me, you know I got it. Fuck with me, you know I got it. Fuck with me, you know I got it. Landed in Rome, nigga. Oh, hell sees us home, niggas. Chin Don, Chow Bella. Come money dance with the good fellas. Hope keep getting that the got it. Even if a nigga gotta ride it, get it. Blackjack in the cut seat, no. A nigga got unlimited credit. Uh. A nigga got a lot of vendettas, uh, but we the black mall, we gon' set it, uh, peel off in a Lamborghini cone tie, 200 in the dash, you gonna rev it, skirt, lucky Luciano, it's what they call me, Paisano, a hundred keys at the Pigano, place across the bad Rizzano, El Pacino, in the villa in Venice, sipping vino, not bad for Muliano, y'all know, like we know, I got it, fuck me, you know I got it, welcome to, by the time you hear this podcast, I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And welcome to episode 165. Yay, yay. Uh, thank you to everyone who's listened so far. Uh, thank you to everyone who's downloaded and, and watched the stream or shared it or mm-hmm. or at least uh, follow any of our social media. Uh, we're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter. We have no tweets. Ooh, I have a few. You, you might not agree with them, though. <laughs> um, and a very a few people know, but we haven't said it on the podcast. We are on TikTok. I feel well. You know what? I don't feel bad because I have a TikTok, and I've recently started posting videos as well. Because that seems to be where everyone's going now. So yeah, we're we're, we're coming around. Yeah, that's where the youngins are. You know. <laughs> So, uh, yes, follow us on TikTok. Same spelling with the letter U because we're urban. Yes, we are. So uh, follow us on uh, TikTok as well. Um, And if you if you it's the same Instagram videos that I've posted before, just, you know, just so we have some content. I want to start duetting some stuff like I want to start making some original because I mean, like I I tease. But the, the platform is really creative. 
I had an idea, and I'm I'm surprised no one's done it yet. But I think it's just because of the the song itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I gave the idea to Brandon. I don't <laughs> I don't know if he did anything with it, but the song um uh can't change that by Radio. Like okay. have it where you're singing to your girl, and so is your bandmate. <laughs> because of how the song goes. Like y'all singing to the same girl. <laughs> the one's going harder than the other. <laughs> so um I've got hey, some. I've if someone got a hears that ideas. and steals that, just 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 say you got it from us. Yeah, That's all. Yeah. yeah. But if if I don't see it, we we might do that one. Yeah, I've got I've got some ideas too. For my page and for our page, I think I told you about the hit the high note challenge. Although now, that's become the, the, can, the can we talk? Yeah, challenge. like and I had it before that because I was thinking of like you know those rock singers, like you know the um oh god what is it the here I go again? Oh yeah, where he state. goes really high, like hit the high. Who can you hit the high? Like you know, but now people turned it into the Tevin Campbell, even though he sang that when he was like twelve. Like he was. 16. 16 but still that's really but he can still sing that now like that's his that's his voice With, it know. wasn't it wasn't prepubescent <laughs> i'm just saying like there's a reason a lot of us can't sing it and there's no reason to be ashamed i felt bad for tank i felt bad for wanye um maybe wanye could have sang it in his prime i don't know because they did it but my god like that vein was just <laughs> <laughs> was like popping popping so um yeah so we we'll be discussing some tiktok ideas going forward of and course. if you've got ideas too shoot them our way yeah we know how to act <laughs> we're crazy <laughs> crazy man some wild and crazy guys um so um Let's get into some music news. So, uh, Bruce Springsteen. Oof. Um, you know, I, I, I still, I want to, I kind of want to know what the motivation is. I don't know if he, he does a lot of interviews or even if he explained it on the podcast he does with Barack Obama. I forgot um, that. I, I forgot that's yeah, a thing. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remembered just now, but uh, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, sold the masters and publishing for his songs for five hundred million dollars. I feel like we need a cha-ching, like money <laughs> cash register sound. I'm trying to pull up what his net worth was before, because I mean, like that's a lot of money. Like that's yeah. is that the highest? I'm trying to think of what the others are. That might be the highest so far. I'm trying to remember what because I know we mentioned Tina Turner selling her. Royalties. I I don't know if it was that much. Um, I don't know if it's that much, but I know that was the. Let's see. What is she? She sold hers to BMG, back in October. Um, but I think it was something like. Was it three hundred and fifty? I feel like it was something like that. Because <clears throat> Bruce Springsteen. So I don't know how recent this was, but according to Forbes, although now I wonder if they put this in here, $81 million? Well, no, that might have been what he made oh, no. in a year. Tina Turner's was $50 million. Whew. So that dwarfs. 
that was $50 million. So with Bruce Springsteen. So Celebrity Net Worth has him at $500 million as his net worth. Oh, it was it was uh, Bob Dylan. <coughs> yeah, what did he sell his for? I think his was like $800 million or something like that. It's ridiculous. See the Dylan kids fight over that. So I'll, I'll pull up that Dylan number in a second. But with Bruce Springsteen, uh, his entire back catalog, including songwriting and recordings, <clears throat> uh, reportedly cost Sony Music Group north of $500 million. Even before the official announcement, Sony's chairman, Rob Stringer, told investors he spent about $1.5 billion just on music acquisitions since the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm including some rights to some of the most iconic artists of all time, such as Paul Simon. Uh, he gloated. That's what the article says. He gloated. Gloated. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, Paul Simon, Bob Dylan, Stevie Nicks, Neil Young, uh, some of the artists that have sold <laughs> off their music. We mentioned Tina Turner. That was from a couple of months ago. Is um, this the person we want to be selling music to? <laughs> if he's gloating, like, look <laughs> what I did. <laughs> Uh, there are huge differences, say, between royalties for songwriting and performance. Some of these deals are just for publishing. Others also include the original recordings, known as the masters. A former music executive sums up the current market for all of them. It's scorching hot. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Um, so, I, I still want to know what, like, the motivation is behind, um, Behind selling the catalog, oh, for Bob Dylan it was three hundred million. So this might be the highest then. Yeah. So it's like an arms race. This ain't a scene. It's an arms race. Hmm. Uh, Serona Elton, who used to work with major labels, now she's a professor and associate dean at University of Miami Frost School of Music. She compares being a celebrity musician with a catalog of hits to owning property someplace like Austin, Texas. Why Austin? Says all of a sudden the market is crazy and everyone's paying ridiculous sums of money. <clears throat> God, and okay. people worry it's a bubble. Maybe it's the right time to sell. Okay, I can see that. I mean, my I always figured it's because they're getting old, and you know, it's kind of the the amount of money and what they're going to make on it has run its course. You know, but I didn't think about it being a bubble. As I always say, house always wins. So I'm sure there's something that these people, these last remaining major labels are seeing, you know, five to six, five to six steps ahead that we're not seeing. And in five or six years, we'll be like, oh, that's why they're buying everything. It'll make sense then. Um, we can pull up Stevie Nicks. She sold 80 percent of her rights for 100 million. That was, let's see, well, this was in January. Um, so uh, Tatiana Sirisano, who is a music analyst for MIDIA, Media, at Re- Media Research, uh, she says the pandemic is part of it. Touring has been stalled for some time. It could be stalled again. What, for a quick buck? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you if you if you're gonna sell it for this much money, you must not like. I don't want a tour anymore. Ever. Yeah, <laughs> ever again. Uh, 
Because, <laughs> I mean, like, the only other thing I can think of that they can do with it is licensing, you know? Yeah. Um, streaming, the numbers that you make from streaming, especially from these older acts, doesn't just, it can't justify spending that much money. So it's got to be licensing, putting it in movies, advertisements, TV shows. If I don't know if they figure out a way to use it in NFTs, but, like, that's the only thing I can think of that would make it worth it. And then again, like, is is Bruce Springsteen's catalog worth a half a billion dollars? Someone thought it was. Sony thought it, thought it was. Um, like, I would think Bob Dylan's would be, you know, but that's just me. I don't know. I just... Jesus Christ! Somebody hide the the um the Prince catalog. <laughs> that family, that estate will take. Especially if that vault is real, they'll take anything, <laughs> bro. They'll take crack prices like twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. <laughs> we want the vault too. Okay, thirty five dollars. <laughs> it's like they will. They'll sell for anything. Um, another artist for comparison, Neil Young sold fifty percent. Uh, for a hundred and fifty million. It's not bad, not bad. And who else they mention here? Paul Simon gonna pull his up and see. Um, I wonder if uh, did he talk to to Garfunkel about this? <laughs> Probably not at all. Or did he just sell um South Africa the album? Like, did he, <laughs> <laughs> is it just that stuff? <laughs> So this was back in April. Paul Simon sold his catalog for two hundred and fifty million, mm. and I think he just sold the. Uh, this was just publishing, so. Um, I think licensing he may still have control over. Okay, I mean, some people might say that Art Garfunkel really didn't do anything, so you don't have to ask him. I mean, I mean, I, I can understand that. <laughs> I, hey, I hey Paul Simon, if that's how you feel. Hey, look, that's any, what you do, man. I don't want to piss off any Gar- Simon and Garfunkel fans out there. If, if there are any even that listen to us, I'm hey, not look, saying. Hey, look, Lou Pearlman's that. already dead, okay? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, man. Oh, God. That's that's the only Art Garfunkel fan out there. <laughs> he came on my bar mitzvah. He couldn't get Paul Simon? It's like... <laughs> Paul Simon came on baptism. Like, you couldn't get Paul Simon? <laughs> um, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh, well, it does say here that, like, this for Paul Simon specifically, uh, 14 solo albums, and he served as a sole songwriter with very few exceptions mm. with Simon and Garfunkel. So he was writing everything anyway. So maybe he just, really did not have to talk to Art Garfunkel. Was about Art this. even writing his own harmonies? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, geez, man. Like, he was, um, the, he was the David Ruffin. So, uh, and it's interesting because with the, okay, I understand. If, if they're not looking to tour anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, if they want to, I guess, spend money on making their own music, if they if that's what they want yeah. to do, or they just they, they just want to go home, <laughs> be, yeah. go home, be comfortable, you know, um, and and keep themselves safe and not have to worry about where the next where the next payday is coming from because they'll be mm-hmm. set, um, you know, and they'll they'll be their the next generation for their family will be set. Or uh, I wonder. How many of them need this because maybe so they talk about touring is drying up. 
a lot of them don't release really music anymore. So they're living off of publishing and touring, being a weekend warrior. I wonder how many of them need this because, like, they have these lavish lifestyles that they're trying to keep up. Um. Well, I guess with those, with the musicians that we, oh, sorry. That was the, uh, there was a YouTube video on the oh, article. Like, what's that? <laughs> oh, God. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, talking about with touring being stalled, it said that Bruce Springsteen took a hit when it came to revenues from live performances and touring. And Point Sirisano points out these musicians' accountants know very well that capital gains taxes may change unfavorably for people holding such assets. Yeah. So you get hit with taxes. You're not making money from touring. Your music, you know, people don't buy albums. You came from the album days. God, I remember. I can't remember who it was I was listening to where he talked about that. He was like, oh, yeah, it'll never be as good as it was. Oh, Kenny G. When he was yeah. talking about, like, it'll never be as good as it was back then. Like, because no one buys records anymore. It's all streaming. So I guess, like, you combine all that together, and it's just like, well, what do you do? Do It's like that question, like, do you take, you know, $100,000 every year for the next 20 years, or do you take, you know, $10 million right now? Yeah, I mean, and people will still, we're in a pandemic still. So I think, like, touring could make up for that. Mm-hmm. But because of the pandemic, you don't know when you're going to tour again yeah. safely. So yeah. some are like, well, I don't, I let's not tour. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they said, Sirisano says like, basically these musicians that we've, that we've mentioned are senior citizens yeah. basically. So they're planning their estates. Yep. And. Uh, like with Bob Dylan selling his entire songwriting catalog, including songs he had written more than 50 years ago. So he's taking the lump sum now, yep. uh, like you said, rather than counting on royalties. Um, and even some younger artists, Shakira and Calvin Harris, have sold some of their publishing. Ooh, I don't know if that's a good idea. Uh, but they said because corporations are paying so much for them. Uh, let me let's see how much Calvin Harris may have uh, paid. Because I was about to ask you, like, who else do you think in terms of older artists? Because one that keeps coming to mind for me right now, whose catalog would I think be worth a ton, is Metallica. Especially that '90s run they had. Because I mean, like, I don't care what you say, even if you were, oh, they were better in the '80s, you know, when they were doing thrash, like the Black Album, Load, Reload. Um, the work they did on the Mission Impossible soundtrack, that was a big run of a lot of like radio friendly rock hits that somebody's gonna pay a lot of money for. <laughs> so with Calvin Harris, uh, he sold. They have acquired his song catalog of about 150 songs to uh, Vine Alternative Investments. And the, it was around $100 million. It, it wasn't uh, disclosed as far as the exact amount. Mm-hmm. But one source says around $100 million. I think that's pretty good for someone who's been around maybe 15 years. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I think of I, I think of how much Scooter Braun sold Taylor Swift's catalog for, mm. which was about $300 million, I believe. Um. So I, I think, like, yeah, he's been around not that long, but, like, well, I guess he hasn't had as many hits as her either. 
or record sales. Because I feel like, why can't you get him closer to that? But I do also forget, though, that, like, Taylor Swift's music is, is, is freaking everywhere, so. It was not disclosed with Shakira, but 145 songs. She has sold 80 million albums worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> I she may you... <laughs> have gotten around 100 million as well. I, I feel like saying that number, 80 million records worldwide, people might be like, that doesn't like, sound like them a lot. Well, to people, I think people would be like, is. that's more than they thought, I bet. Yeah. Because they're probably like, she ain't that big in America, people. <laughs> <laughs> in America. <laughs> and I'll just leave it and at that. And put it like this, y'all. Think about this. In America, going platinum is a million in sales. A million sales. Streaming, there's some math there <laughs> to, make, <laughs> to, to, to count it as one sale. But in other countries, it's less than that. Yeah. 100,000, 200,000 may mean platinum. Yeah. Uh, I know they base it off population. So, yeah, uh, uh, 80 million around the world is a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> lot. Um, and that's why I just urge people, that one pop star, like you might think that Louis Fonsi is a one-hit wonder. He's not. He is so not. In America, <laughs> in maybe. America. <laughs> so I just urge you to look into these artists because, you know, they, you know, I because one thing I didn't realize, and this is ignorant on my part, I didn't realize how much stuff Enrique Iglesias is still putting out in Spanish. Yeah. Like, he's just churning out albums in Spanish. Every now and then he'll put out something in English language. But in, in Spanish, bro, he's just churning them things, boy. So... Um, also, it says uh, Rob Stringer from Sony Music Group told investors this spring not to worry about the price. Whoa. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, oh. Rob. Okay, Rob. Oh, man. If you have to ask, you can't afford, bro. Okay. Uh, stocks go up and down, but lucrative music rights feel safer, he noted, due to Spotify, Apple, and other streaming and subscription services. The number of users of paid music streaming services went up by almost 100 million in 2020 to 443 million globally. So this takes me back to the video we discussed where Billy Corgan talked about how the music companies um, basically kind of bought into streaming and gave purposefully gave the artists a lesser cut. I wonder if this is their way of trying to make up for that. We buy the publishing. Now we're getting it both from both ends. We own everything. Yeah, and and, and then and it is lucrative. Yeah, and it's it's not just uh, it the publishing <laughs> separate from the licensing separate mm-hmm. from royalties. Yeah. So, uh, okay, we may not get it with the with the publishing. Yeah. Because we're getting the lesser cut because that's what they get off of the streaming. Or so, do they even? Or do they even try to negotiate higher? Like now that we have it, oh yeah, let's conveniently. <laughs> negotiate higher, you know, because when's the last time that Spotify went up in price or Apple Music? You know, it feels like they maybe they're looking at TV and movies because Netflix goes up a lot. Yeah. Um, they just pulled Disney from from YouTube TV for but like part two of that, days. though, also <clears throat> is with with Spotify. They don't have to create original they don't feel the need to create original content. They do it with like podcasts, podcasts, yeah. But that's as far as they have to go. Yeah. With Netflix, how many original series and movies? Well, because they are saw there? the writing on the wall. 
that eventually they would be so successful that people will want to emulate them and take their content back. And to keep content like friends, they would have to pay more money and they're going to pass the cost along to you because a lot of people don't know Netflix is not profitable yet. So I'm wondering if maybe they're like, hey, right now people might pay $9.99 for Spotify. Would they complain if they had to pay 12 bucks, 13 bucks? But why? Because we want a bigger cut. I, I see. Because I see. now we own it. the publishing. So whereas before I might have made, I'm, I'm throwing around figurative numbers, where I might have made $5 million a year off of Bruce Springsteen's catalog, if I ask for more and Spotify, you know, of course, they can't afford to take less because Spotify already pays out the highest percentage of their profits to record companies, they have to go up on the price. And people aren't going to leave because it's still the free option. And, you know, like, what's the, like, literally, what is the difference between $9.99 and $12.99? Not that much, but it can be a lot to Spotify. Yeah. And then the record companies are like, cool, now I'm making $10 million or $15 million. And now there there are more uh, there are more users. They're projecting yep. a billion users by twenty thirty, and they say in the music publishing market, streaming is driving similar sustained growth. The publishing industry achieved its seventh straight year of consecutive expansion, going up five point two percent. And they say synergy is the name of the game, where Sony buys up Springsteen's music. They can use it more easily in movies and TV shows Mm -hmm. uh, made by Sony Studios. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to see it in like Spider-Man and X-Men movies. (laughs) (laughs) Also, other artists on the Sony labels can sample or cover his songs. And whenever a Bruce Springsteen biopic comes about, Sony's probably going to produce it. Six steps ahead. I'm telling you, <laughs> they're not just doing this just because, like Bill Burr said, they don't want to make less money. <laughs> so, you don't You don't go back, okay? Yeah. Uh, who was it? Uh, I think Dave Chappelle said, um, a man does not go back with what he's experienced sexually. Oh, that's Chris Rock. But oh, yes, it's Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Does yeah. not go back sexually, and a woman does not go back in lifestyle. Yeah, financially. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah. Uh, so they, they they can't they're not going to make less money. That's they, not that, how it And that's goes. why they make the big bucks because I would have never thought about that. So now, if you want to interpolate, born in the USA, you don't have to you don't have to get the sample cleared if you're on Sony's label. Luke, you just the, do it. Uh, Uncle Luke was thirty years ahead of his time. Yep. <laughs> it's simply Bruce Springsteen. The other thing I think about as well is so with the amount the amount of music being made today that is independent. So yeah. they probably see their market share shrinking. And this is a way to secure their future with music that is quote unquote timeless because, you know, it used to be, you know, it was a big deal when Lisa Loeb, you know, did it. And, you know, fast forward almost 20 years it was a big deal when Macklemore did it. I mean, I know he had a major label distributed him, but he was independent otherwise. So I imagine <laughs> when that happened, they were like, all right, it was cute when Lisa Loeb did it. <laughs> This dude just came out with an entire album. Thank you, no more. <laughs> an entire album. How did it do? Really well. <laughs> like, how well? It won Grammys. It beat the Kendrick guy. What the fuck? <laughs> I imagine there were some meetings. They're like, all right, how are we going to, like, what happens when people start doing this, you know, like, more? It's like they are. 
<laughs> They're already doing it. We've got to secure our future. So, you know, I, I'm very curious to see if that's like their way of like, hey, man, like we got to, you know, how long till they approach someone like a, I don't think he'd ever sell it, but like a Malcolm Moore. Hey, we'll buy your publishing. I'm good. I'm good. Or I think about Ryan Leslie in the video he made where he talked about how um, the amount of money that you get off of publishing and selling records with a major label versus doing it on your own. He's like, you know, yeah. if I sell, you know, what, 10, I think he's like 15,000 records or 10,000 records for $15 a pop on my own, I can pocket, you know, almost a million dollars straight yeah. into my pocket. And then including the touring with that. touring, yeah. He's like, and I don't have to give anything to them because I did it all myself. I don't even have to go platinum. Because <laughs> I can sell, like, I mean, in that instance, he's selling less than gold. <laughs> and he's and he's making more money than he would have made. Yeah, like, what's that, 90% less than gold? Yeah. But he's still <laughs> making, he's probably making but more money. But he'll still make, a, at least, he'll make a couple of million just off of the sales of the and album. Touring, yeah. And then going on going on tour, he'll make a few more million there. Mm -hmm. So All in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, and it it's just going to be, I, you won't see a lot of artists have that kind of vision, mm -mm. that kind of foresight. No. Um, you know, cause Ryan Leslie is one of those guys that sees the, the bigger, I, 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 I was, because uh, I'm posting some of the of our old content, re, repurposing it uh, for for the Instagram page. But a few years ago, when we talked about um, someone stole his laptop, oh yeah, and he, and he offered a million dollar reward, and we weren't sure if he actually had a million dollars. <laughs> like, where did he get that? <laughs> he probably did have yeah. the million dollars. So I'm sorry, way. Ryan Leslie. Yeah. <laughs> As uh, Frankie said, I did it my way. So, um, yeah, but no, I really, I really do think when that started happening, I really think record companies like this isn't cute anymore. Like. This is a this. I think they realize like this is a thing. He did it without us. What that do you think is going to be more? I guess more interesting to see how it plays out, but also which could be. I feel like it might get a little messy with the deceased artists. At the end of this article, they mention David Bowie's estate. I mean, and that's the thing, like. Who's managing these estates? So we, we joke. Is Iman handling it? We joke about the <laughs> Prince estate. But I mean, like, let's be real, people. Like, there's a lot of things. I mean, I never met Prince, but I just know from the way he acted while he was alive, he would not want Prince Knight at a Twins game. Hell no. There's just a lot of things he wouldn't be doing with his music. Um, So it comes down to who's managing these estates. And... If, you know, are they hard up for money <laughs> or do they think that, you know, the music is more do they or do they think like Michael Jackson, the music is more valuable in my hands? Because I think Michael Jackson understood that, which is why he bought the Beatles catalog. This is yeah. valuable. Or he had you seen have you seen that Dick Gregory video where he's naming whatever deal Michael Jackson signed with Sony? That's mm. why there are some conspiracies about his death. Mm. But basically he was all these artists that were signed to labels that were under the Sony umbrella. Mm -hmm. Michael Jackson had some kind of deal where he was making money. Oh off yeah. Of I did them. hear about that. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm, you may have seen the meme where, you know, Eminem wrote a line about Michael Jackson. So then 
Michael didn't even respond. He just went and bought the (laughs) bought the rights and publishing to his music. So whenever Eminem did sell millions of albums, Michael Jackson was making millions of dollars. (laughs) He had he really did have that foresight to do that. Um, and so what is a conspiracy because he had so much. He might has he might he might have had too much influence, too much power, Mm -hmm. as far as. He's making money off of in that in the video with Dick Gregory. It seemed like any artist you could think of. Oh, and I'd heard I didn't know he was making money. Off I haven't of seen that video, but I had heard that like whenever new artists were coming out, he's buying into them. Yeah, so he can get that money. And I mean, it's essentially that's the that's the quote unquote risk that record companies take, which is why you always hear that like you know such a small percentage of artists actually make it. And that artist that makes it funds all the failures. Um, but it sounds like he wasn't funding failures. He was buying in on the successful ones. Yeah. I guess maybe Sony didn't like that. I don't I don't know. That's a very interesting theory. Um because there are a lot of people who think that who absolutely think that, you know, people in power killed him. So it's an interesting theory. I'm gonna look into that. Uh the next thing we have is um uh, so uh, I don't know. I don't think we mentioned this, but uh, well, I mean, we have an episode way back when, one of our first few episodes about the Nirvana album Nevermind. Yeah. Um, With Matt. Our yeah. Friend Matt. <laughs> Shout out to Matt G. Um, so the album is famous for its cover. It yeah. had a, a baby on it. And the baby um, filed a lawsuit. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to pull up the article. This is from Pitchfork, who I actually don't trust. But anyway, <laughs> um, a lawyer for the uh, for the for the group and the estate of Kurt Cobain argues that spelled it maybe on the cover, uh, who is suing for claiming uh, child pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, his claims are barred by the applicable statute of limitations. So uh, the lawyer for Nirvana has filed a motion to dismiss. He did that yesterday as of this recording. And uh, uh, he also says uh, the claim that the photograph on the Nevermind album covers child pornography is on its face, not serious. Uh, Spencer Eldon filed the lawsuit in August, accusing Nirvana of violating federal pornography laws and accusing them of exploitation. And um, the group and the estate of Kurt Cobain uh, and the photographer Kurt Weddle and Courtney Love <laughs> and the label uh, were all named as defendants in the lawsuit. Uh, but in the motion dismissed, the lawyer says that the particular statutes the band is accused of violating come with a 10-year statute of limitations. Of course, that album came out in 1991. I believe so. So... Uh, yeah. Um, I guess never mind. Oh, <laughs> the period runs from mm-hmm. the time the plaintiff reasonably discovers the later of either the violation of, or the injury that forms the basis of the claim, the lawyer writes. And therefore, he argues, sexual limitations has expired because Eldon was well aware of the album and the photograph before August 2011. That that, that would be, that's yeah. the 10-year mark. <laughs> So he was, it, it had been around for 20 years at that point. Yeah. So um, 
uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, after uh, the lawsuit was filed, the 30th anniversary of Nevermind was announced, and it was that was released in November, and um, yeah. So, do you, does he have a case? Does he? What do you think? I read. I saw a Is this video a mo- about well, this. Some people have said it's a money grab, basically. and it it feels like it. I mean, I think there's a little bit of if I remember correctly, I think there's a little bit of animosity towards his mom as well, because his mom was the one who who took him to the shoot, and I think. If I also remember correctly, they weren't a hundred percent upfront about what it was going to be used for. Mm. So a little bit of deceit, and I think that's where a little bit of the anger comes from. I think he feels he felt a little bit exposed. The first article I'm bringing up here says why the Nirvana Baby lawsuit is a warning for parents. There, there's a lot of issues going on, and unfortunately in America, when you feel slighted. Sue somebody. Like, that's just what you do in this very uh, litigious world that we live in. But, I mean, I, I don't, I think he might have had a case, but not anymore. It's just, at this point, it's too late. Yeah, it's been 30 years, bro. Yeah. Like, just, and I, I don't remember if his mom's still alive or not, but, like, if she is, talk to her. Like, that's who your problem's with. You know? <laughs> um. So, the uh, last story we have here the charts um chris martin lead singer of coldplay and the headliner of super bowl 50s halftime show not beyonce or bruno mars <laughs> sometimes we forget them. <laughs> <laughs> so um uh chris martin said in a recent interview on bbc radio 2 that coldplay's last proper record will come out in 2025 and that after that, they'll only mm-hmm. tour. And they may do some collaborative, collaborative, collaborative things. They've been doing those a lot lately, too. But the Coldplay catalog will be finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hard to tell if they, I guess they couldn't really tell if he was being serious or not. <laughs> So was it just him or was it the band also in the interviews or just him? Uh, it was just him. So like you speak for Coldplay, you speak for everybody else. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, what do you think of, you know, in twenty twenty five we'll get the last Coldplay album, uh, and <laughs> if we're still in a pandemic, <laughs> we may not see them tour <laughs> or not the way that they want. <laughs> I'm trying to go but like the old, what was the old joke like how many farewell tours did kiss have like, <laughs> is this to drum up hype you know it's like you know i know you're british but you're not adele like no one's waiting on i don't know if anyone's waiting on bated breath for a coldplay record i don't know the last time they were extremely relevant outside of their collaborations i know that they went with the chain smokers i think they did one recently with bts so, and I mean, I don't know the musical tastes. We don't check their charts of the UK. So they could still be, they could be like Jamiroquai and still be pretty big over there. I don't know. But <clears throat> it, it kind of feels like one of those things where, you know, a collective like, hmm. Like, I just, they don't, you know, I know they recently, well, like what, five years ago, played the Super Bowl, roughly five years ago. But yeah, that kind of felt like a lifetime achievement award. Because I mean, like, even when, the single that came out then, which was, um, oh, God, it was the one 
with the monkeys dancing in the video like their cold play. I can't remember. But I mean, like, the NFL and whoever put on the halftime show had so little faith in them that they brought Bruno Mars and Beyonce. Yeah. So, and that's not to insult Coldplay because I like some of their earlier work when they were, you know, the quote-unquote biggest band in the world. I like what they were doing, but, like, that, the music they're doing has kind of come and gone, and we can't all be fallout maybe for the for the most part because um i know spotify has their own but they're missing some songs of songs that have a billion streams mm-hmm. yellow is is on the billion list i i can believe that because of of what it what it is but like they're not putting out new stuff that's doing that that's true and and so i don't know if this is to build up hype you know i i think um, Fall Out Boy and, and Panic at the Disco are two rock bands, although I know Panic is one dude now. But they're, <laughs> they're two bands that have really shown how to go from playing one style of music and adapting and being okay with it. Like, those two, like, new Fall Out Boy sounds nothing like old Fall Out Boy, and I think they're mm. okay with that because it's helping them stay relevant. And maybe they'll make, because apparently Emo's coming back now. I didn't know that. I I did not. I yeah, didn't know that apparently either. emo's coming back now. Like kids are are emo again. So maybe they go back to their roots. But you know, like Coldplay, I, I felt like by the time they started trying to do it, they were just behind the eight ball. Like they did, I think, with Sky Full of Stars with the Chainsmokers, and then this most recent one with BTS. That I'm for some reason I'm still on their email address list, their emailing list. So I'll get emails about Coldplay and what they're doing. Didn't get an email about this one. So. That makes me think that might have been off the cuff, but um, I got a you know email about their single with BTS. I haven't listened to it, but I can't imagine it's great because at this point they're like, I imagine they kind of be like um, Adam and the Levines, what was it Maroon Five, where it's just like no one shows up to record; it's just a producer and the lead singer. Oh, we'll see. Uh, well, they they just released their um, their ninth album earlier this year. Okay. And he said, we're going to make 12 albums. You better get to work then, bro. <laughs> well, he says, he says I feel like I know that challenge is finite. Making this music doesn't feel difficult. It mm-hmm. feels like this is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, he said, and he added, I don't think that's what we'll do. I know that's what we'll do in terms of studio albums. Yeah. Uh, so, who knows? Um <laughs> Who it's knows crazy. if it's if it's if it, if they will actually end? Because I mean, they were huge when Viva La Vida, death to all of his fr- death to all of his friends, or whatever the, the full title was. They were huge, and they were still pretty big after that. They had a sing a big single, Princess of China, with Rihanna. With Rihanna. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of really good stuff, and it's just like all of a sudden, it's like they forgot how to write hits. <laughs> well, I think it's what's changed, and, and you mentioned this before we started recording. About oh, bands, yeah, bands. <laughs> like being in a band isn't profitable anymore. Yeah, it's not. And and I mean, and God, I feel like I mentioned him so much on here, Finn McKinty, Um, But it was based off of a video he saw someone else make, and he just commented on it. But you know, you think about the amount of effort it takes, you know, for a band to really succeed. You know, like you gotta, you do all this work, you make the same amount of money as a solo artist. But you got to split it amongst four to five people. <laughs> it's like that's not a you know it kind of you know waters it down a bit. 
And typically, you've got one or two people dragging three or four other people along. I mean, you just defined a boy band right there as well, you know, where that's not, it's not profitable in America. I think you have outliers like One Direction Mm -hmm. and BTS who aren't American. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So they're... What was that other the the wanted was that one? Oh God, I forgot. There might have been a Brit- one. They were British, yeah. The wanted, yeah. Or or Fifth Harmony, yeah. With the girl groups, like it's, but they're all trying to go solo. Yeah, <laughs> Normani because <left>. that's where <laughs> it's more profitable. Cabello they don't left. have to split it four or five ways. And everyone in One Direction left. <laughs> yeah, they all they all have a solo. They all went out. solo. They all went solo. Yes. <laughs> so. um yeah, it, I, I I agree that it's <laughs> it's not as profitable anymore. Um, and whatever your album is selling, divide it by five. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this isn't the this isn't the '90s anymore. I mean, not to mention, what if you've got an idea that the other ones don't like? You know, save it for your solo album. But what kind of record contract did you sign? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it takes you back to Justin Timberlake and, and the song Gone, which was meant for his solo record, but they put it on pop. Yeah. And you could basically, it's like. Or was it Celebrity? Celebrity, yeah, Celebrity. Celebrity is, yeah, pop well, is the song, but Celebrity, celebrity is the yeah. album. And it's just like, that's the that was the sound of the breakup of NSYNC. Because <laughs> it sounded like he did everything on that song. Like, yeah, they're singing in the video, but, like, that's not Chris Kirkpatrick. I had that theory. Like, no one really talks about this, but, like, when New Edition got back together for Home Again, yeah, I felt like it wasn't, okay, let's get back together and do an album, and then they're working with various producers or songwriters. Mm-hmm. Some stuff was already put together. Oh, I think came, yep. Ralph Tresvant had a couple songs. <laughs> Bobby had a couple of songs. One song was released as a single with for Ricky. Uh he's the only one in the video. It's a new edition song, <laughs> but he's the only one in the video. Yeah. It was like that was supposed to be on the Ricky Bell album. And they're just like, yeah, here, <laughs> we can put it on the home again. <laughs> I feel like they they did they, it was probably a time crunch because I feel like like once the miniseries came out, mm-hmm. um, Bell Biv DeVoe was thinking, "Hey, maybe we should we should have some new have a new album," and then uh, like for when the miniseries comes out, and then they realized we only have two weeks yeah. <laughs> to put together an album. So, oh god, they really did rush that one. Yeah, yeah, I remember when that came out. Very last minute, it felt. So I felt like that might have been the same thing with Home, Home Again. Again. Yeah, I can like, see yeah, that. Like, yeah, we can put you back together, but you got you got 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so no one singing background, just lead. Yeah. <laughs> you come in, we've already we've already um, demoed it. You just come in and sing. Or we hired some background singers because yeah. we're working around the clock. Funny enough, <laughs> that's what apparently that's what Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis do. That's why the Human League didn't want to work with them because they like to sing everything. And basically, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis is like, you come in, we have the beat, we have the song already made, our background singers have already done the harmonies, you just sing lead. Mm. And they didn't like that. So, like, on Cumin, they didn't want to do that song. So, like, 
Um, I think the compromise was her singing that little like, like uh, giving the her little the talk part. part. Yeah, that was one of the compromises. Because otherwise, she wasn't on the song. <laughs> the other lady wasn't on the song either. Yeah, because they had their own people <laughs> come in. Yeah, so I was, so I wouldn't be was surprised. Janet one of the background singers. I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I really wouldn't, but not. Um. So yeah. Uh. So we'll we'll see how it goes with the with uh with Coldplay going forward. Um. Uh. I definitely. It, like but to see it them also like the style the style of music. You know, uh, this time of the year aside. <laughs> the like their style of music is is going to get is it going to be like a hit like that is mm-hmm. it, are they going to have hits like that again because of the kind of music that no. they make no i don't think they i mean i don't think well i mean if we're thinking back to a rush of not a crush what is that a clock not clocks a rush parachutes. of blood to the head oh well parachutes is the first one. i think of parachutes and then a, a rush of blood to the head which was the second album and then X and Y. Like I think that type of music still exists, but in a, in like very niche settings. Like every every style of music I think they've done still exists, just not on a grand scale to where you can call yourself the biggest band in the world making that type of music. Like you can make it, but you're getting played on Alt Nation on Sirius. You know, <laughs> that's what that's where you're getting played. Um, they I think they'd have to go the the route of making closer to like maybe danceable arena rock maybe find so that it makes sky full of stars again yeah yeah essentially no. um so yeah we'll see we'll see how that how that goes how they close out the catalog if that's what they're actually doing and then they'll sell it for half a billion <laughs> well maybe more they're probably thinking, yeah. oh we can we can sell more than bruce springsteen guys. they just sit down you lead with but clocks they do have to split it five ways. Yeah. So, so we have clocks. Oh, okay, okay. That's a big one. Yeah. Viva La Vida. It's a big one too, man. Jesus. Yellow. Okay. Okay. A billion. Like, <laughs> yellow just, like, that's your home run. That's your cleanup hitter. All right. So let's look at the charts here. Of course, uh, this is, we're just uh, recording this on December 23rd. Um, I feel like everyone knows what's number one. Of course, number one. All I want for Christmas is you, Mariah Carey. She's just sitting there waiting on that check. <laughs> um, and I, I have joked. I don't. I don't really think Ben has joked that um, Mariah doesn't know anybody new. No, doesn't know any younger artists, right? <laughs> or uh, that she has really nothing to prove. <laughs> Um, there was a video and it just felt so, it was like, of course Mariah Carey would do this. So it's her, it's, it was a TikTok, I think of her and her kids there. Uh, I don't know if it was at a house or a condo or whatever, but they're somewhere where there's snow outside, but they're in the jacuzzi mm-hmm. and they were going, <laughs> they got out of the jacuzzi to roll around in the snow. Like in their bathing suits and all that. The only the main thing I noticed though is all I want for Christmas is you is playing in the background. Shameless. Shameless. Otherwise it's just it's, you know, a simple, harmless family home video learned, clip. Learned it from Tommy. <laughs> but <laughs> learned it from Tommy. 
But yeah, the the soul is played in the background, and uh, yeah. So uh, number two, rocking around the Christmas tree, Brenda Lee, the original. Uh, Easy on me by Adele falls to number three. <laughs> Even the power of Adele, Adele, you can't it. beat Christmas. She can't. You can't beat, beat it. Christmas. Okay. Number four, Jingle Bell Rock, <clears throat> Bobby Helms. Number five, A Holly Jolly Christmas by Burl Ives. Number six, Stay by the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. That's my favorite Christmas song. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year by Andy Williams. That is the anthem of every, I feel like that's the first song that plays on Black Friday. Oh, you think That's so? the very first song at midnight. Midnight Friday, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I was gonna say that's the the opening for like a lot of happy go lucky Christmas movies. Yeah, like you. Well, the get, scene, the scene, the, you know, with the establishing shots yeah. going to the mall. Yeah, snowy town. <laughs> you're in the mall. You know, right before, and then you know, the, it's it's what's playing right before you get to the mall Santa scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then, of course, they make it, they take it from diegetic to non-diegetic, and they put it on the speakers in the mall to where it's like, oh, it was already playing. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. I'm so jaded. (laughs) Sorry. What's interesting, though, like, I was, um, I was looking at, like, I was thinking of, like, Christmas movies that, that cater to black people, okay? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, this Christmas, yeah, there's only a handful and a lot. Uh, Best Man Holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there's one with uh, with Danny Glover and is it uh, is it is it um this Christmas? No, that's the one with Chris Brown. With Chris Brown. I thought he was and in that Andrew one too. Selva. Okay, there's another one. It has is Danny that, Glover and is that two Christmases? I think Gabrielle Union, uh, Monique. I know which one you're talking about because I, I I'm seeing the promo and everything. In my head, Danny Glover. It it came out like maybe two or three years ago, I feel like. Almost Christmas. Almost Christmas, yeah. okay. Um, and some people include Last Holiday as well. And there's another one with Gabrielle Union, and I think, not LL Cool G, I think it was Morris Chestnut as like the mall Santa that the it's a, a rom-com, you know. Okay. Um, so I was looking up Black Christmas. Like, are there any more like that that were in theaters? And you know, it's a you know your normal holiday movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across this list of thirty Black Christmas movies. <laughs> they are all on BET Plus and the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> I was going to say they're probably on the Hallmark Channel, and they all seem like they had the same plot. Oh, like, yeah, they they all do. It was they all look like romantic comedies. Oh, yeah. With the woman who's like just she just broke up with her fiance and now it's Christmas and she's feeling alone and then the working man who's either the mall Santa or <laughs> he's the next door neighbor mm-hmm. uh, who who knows how to put up the Christmas lights on the house or it's uh <laughs> it, the childhood friend that she had to well, see. I was gonna say because yeah usually they'll go back home <laughs> yeah. from the big city to the small town. And they're like, like, oh, you remember me? I'm a working man now, and I got on a hat, and I'm. Yeah. And you meet him in one of two places: either a club <laughs> or church. <laughs> Is one of those. Oh places. God! 
that uh, is i mean that's literally every every single one of these movies but it was just crazy to see that list and these were like you know the prime uh majority black cast movies mm-hmm. they were all on bet plus in the hallmark channel <laughs> i just thought that was crazy um mm-hmm. all right number eight uh heat waves by glass animals and number nine uh I, I think this is the class of the '80s Christmas songs. Yeah. Last Christmas by Wham. I felt like it should get a little more. It should get as much love as All I Want for Christmas Is You. But I don't know. But I think I, the. I think it's but better. I think some people get tired of hearing it because, like, if you go to any department store, maybe that's the second song you hear <laughs> after Andy Williams. <laughs> if you're trying to be like hip and cool. Because I think like some people started the the last Christmas challenge, oh. where you try to avoid hearing that song, don't play it on purpose, and you try to avoid hearing it for the entire month. <laughs> um, so I, th- I think yeah. it's better than um, all I want for Christmas, but that's just me. Some other Christmas songs that just missed the top ten: Feliz Navidad, Jose Feliciano, Sleigh Ride by the Ronettes. Uh, the Christmas Song by Nat King Cole, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow by Dean Martin, Underneath the Tree by Kelly Clarkson. Great song. It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas by Perry Como, and uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Gene Autry. Um, let's look at the uh, charts for the albums, the Billboard 200. So this week, number one is still Adele, 30. So holds a spot still. Uh, she beats Christmas that way. The Pentatonics couldn't challenge her? Um, this may have been spread too thin. I think they have like four or five Christmas albums. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's still number one. Number two, debuting at number two, Fighting Demons by Juice World. Uh, this combined with the documentary coming out. Yeah. Uh, we may do an episode about that later down the line. Number three, Red, Taylor's version. <sighs> yep. Cash grab the album. <laughs> Number four, Christmas by Michael Bubble. <laughs> uh, Michael Blade at number four. Number five, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. Number six, Dangerous, the double album. No Grammys, no AMAs, no problem, no problem. That's probably going to be this is gonna be some stocking <laughs> stuffers <laughs> for that uncle that wears the sunglasses and takes pictures in his car. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's your stocking stuffer. <laughs> it's like, oh man. Number seven, "Merry Christmas" by Mariah Carey. Uh, Here's a challenge for y'all: name another song on the album. Name another song. Go ahead, try it. They probably thought it was released as a single. <laughs> they don't know al- albums. I'll give it to the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> Name another song on the album. Number eight, A Charlie Brown Christmas, the soundtrack by the Vince Guaraldi Trio. Number nine, Certified Lover Boy by Drake. And number 10, Hall of Fame by Polo G. Yeah, the Vince Guaraldi album actually got played in uh, Hawkeye because they set that um, series at Christmas. Um, and it's in it's Christmas in of all places New York, mm. so trees, snow, and Christmas songs at every turn. Yeah. Uh, let's look at the artist one hundred. 
Number one is Adele. Still number one. Number two, Juice World. We said he has the, the the album and the documentary coming out, or if it's not already out, it's, it's out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number three, Taylor Swift. Number four, Ed Sheeran. Uh, is equals not selling as well, or it's just because it's Christmas time we're not paying attention? I don't know. I haven't really looked at the numbers. I would hate to think that Ed Sheeran has lost some steam. I mean, clearly, I mean, <laughs> I say lost some steam. He's doing well. But he's not doing as well as I think we, he, it feels like he should be, you know? So I don't know. I guess we can see after Christmas what happens, but I don't know. Right, number five, Olivia Rodrigo. Number six, Michael Bubble. Number <laughs> seven, Doja Cat. Number eight, Mariah Carey. Number nine, Justin Bieber. And number 10, The Weeknd. Uh, other artists who are here just because it's Christmas time. Number 11 is Bing Crosby. <laughs> number 12, Andy Williams. And number 16, Nat King Cole. And number 17, Kelly Clarkson. 18, Vince Guaraldi Trio. And number 20, Pentatonix. There they are. <laughs> uh, you're going to run into to them sometime. <laughs> so, uh, Ben, tell us about your earworm of the week. Um, so, um, I forget the dude's name, but Aaliyah's uncle. Finally, uh, uh, Hankerson. Hankerson. Is it Leon Hankerson? Or Lawrence? Lance? I can't remember. Some Hankerson. Something like that. Mr. Hankerson um, got his mind right, and he put a lot of music back <laughs> um, on streaming. Forces of Nature by Tank being one of the songs that I've listened to a lot. But this other song is an absolute classic. I still remember buying the 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 cassette single at the mall. I think I bought it at Shannon Mall. One year when we came up here to see the Passion Play. You ever seen the Passion Play? Mm. Sounds like Black Nativity. Sort of. So it's not. It's oh, not. wait, this is the, the Easter one? This is that Easter? Yeah, the Easter Passion Play, which used to be, I don't know if it's still, but when I was a kid, my church would always take a trip up here to see the Passion Play. It's very well done. It's some church in Atlanta that puts it on, and they had it at the Atlanta Civic Center. It was very nice. They did it very well. And afterwards, we'd always go to Shannon Mall because it was on the black side of town. Shannon Mall's in Union City. Don't exist no more. But it was the mall for black people on the south side. And um, I, I bought this along with, <laughs> he's going to laugh here, Victory uh, by P. Diddy, P. Diddy and the Family. The album, yeah. I bought the CD single. Oh, no, No Way Out was the album. Okay, no Way Out, no was, way out was the album. Yeah, I bought the album No Way Out. Okay. And then I bought the CD sing or the tape single for this because I didn't have a CD player for um, this song "Up Jumps the Boogie" from this from uh, "Welcome to Our World" yep. by Timbaland and Magoo featuring Missy and uh, the late great Aaliyah on the hook. And if you watch the video, everybody from that era yeah. of that is in that video, and it's it's just it's beautiful, man. It's great. I love it. I I really felt like that was supposed to be their introduction. And it's just like, we've got the next decade. And they could have. I think if Aaliyah hadn't died, I mean, they maybe yeah. could have. Missy, definitely. Timbaland, you know, so you never know. Magoo? Nah, yeah, he's a hanger-on. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Up jumps the boogie. Timbaland, Magoo, Missy Elliott, Aaliyah. We'll be right back. Up jumps the boogie. Up jumps the boogie. Up jumps the boogie. Up jumps the boogie. 
dicks don't salt the next man keep that limber shit up in the cut like gay niggas in butt i'm black with indian my race should be mutt i cut with razor blades play spades with unvenus evaluate this rap take heed of fucking genius up in the sky up high don't puff lie do you smoke crack sam prepare to fucking die fuck crazy joe my name is crazy flow you thought i had eight but i got ten more off beat and on beat Old school like Beach Street, I stink like Pop Street, make sweat with no heat. I'm up on this track like Pam Grier in movies. I heat up the beat like water in a jacuzzi. I fly to LA, then come back to Virginia, then call Maganu to see if he's got some ender. Then back to the crib to pick up my brother G. G, don't forget to bring the house keys. Hops in the Shucking and jiving, peep my rhyme, cause that shit's off time. I'm in the Marriott, the place to get got. After I smoke pot, he sticks me like shots. Funky like farts, connect tongues like dots. Lick his lollipop, this kid named Scott. Me, my hot self, myself be so hot. Touch my hot spot, I scream till I can't stop. <sighs> Give it to me, daddy, and uh, yep, yep, like Teddy, Teddy, ready with the one, two, checker, no diggity, Missy be the bedroom wrecker, double decker, make you wanna beat your pecker, and then leave your bitch, cause this uh, be better. Up jumps the boogie, Timberland, Magoo, <laughs> Did not Missy Elliott. Well. Aaliyah. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people, because, you know, we didn't have things like this or like streaming and stuff like this. So a lot of people probably have not heard the album version. Yeah. That's not radio edit. Yeah. Uh, with yeah, it's just, Christ. yeah, he's, Magoo is very vulgar. See, this, and this is what, this is what interesting. Like, a lot of people like make it about like how Magoo rhymes and everything. And, I, I feel like in this case, I, I'm not sure about the rest of the album. He probably insisted on going first, <laughs> uh, having the first verse. Because if you look at the Fuji's, the score, Prize almost always went last mm-hmm. because, like, okay, Wyclef, he'll, he'll, he'll he get you in there. Lauren Hill does hers in the middle. Now the song's great. <laughs> and then you got Prize at the end. They're like, well, I'm already two and a half minutes in. Might as well finish. (laughs) Damn. Yeah, that's why Prize always went last. Uh, His his stuff didn't didn't make sense either. It wasn't as vulgar as Magoo, but yeah, Magoo is just like, (laughs) like I think he says, no fan of Madonna. She's just a fucking slut or something like that. Like, just the weirdest. It kind of reminds me of me. When I rap, <laughs> I threw myself a shock value, but not that bad. Oh, man. So um, you can find that on our BTTYHT Earworms playlist right now. Okay. So we started this episode with the song uh, Fuck With Me, You Know I Got It by Jay-Z featuring Rick Ross. 
from the album Magna Carta Holy Grail. And um, we planned this episode before uh, Jay-Z hopped on one of those Twitter slash clubhouse looking conversations. Have you seen those? Mm-mm. Uh, are you familiar with Clubhouse? I'm not. I'm not. Clubhouse is, is um, it's kind of, it's a Zoom, but without video, but you can use your phone and everybody, like there's someone talking and it's basically like a conversation with a bunch of people. Is this on Twitter? Twitter has a similar thing. Okay. Cause I I've, think it's called okay. Spaces. Okay. I've been a part of one of those on Twitter. Not and, like doing it, but I've heard one. Uh, Facebook has one as well called Rooms. So it's almost like a live podcast, it sounds like. Yeah. Basically. Okay. okay. I can dig that. So, um, uh, Jay Z hopped on because I think Alicia Keys was was uh, hosting it. Okay, because she just put out her uh, her album, and uh, someone I think I don't know if someone asked him about the verses or if someone, um, yeah, I think someone just asked about it, and he basically said that no one could touch him in a verses. And there have been strong opinions both ways. Yeah, they're like Jay Z is right or. They name five artists who they think could compete with them. Dylon, Dylon. So some people have said, I, I talked to, I was mentioning this to Ben earlier. Some people said Eminem. Uh, some people said Kanye. Some people said Drake. Some people said Lil Wayne. The, 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 the respect that people put on Drake, man. Uh, some people said Busta Rhymes. This is weird. And... Uh, the fans who I think they're all under the age of twenty five, someone said future. Yeah, those are kids. <laughs> <laughs> those are kids that said future. Yeah, with his distorted voice and purple drink. No. <laughs> so um, we, had, like I said, we had planned this before those comments, um, <clears throat> and we're going to uh, give you a because five of our Jay Z songs. So. <clears throat> Um, for people who are not familiar with our Because Five, we pick five songs. Why? Because five. five. Yeah. And uh, we have two honorable mentions each uh, as an excuse to play more music. <laughs> so um, we're just going to go ahead and get started. Ben, your first honorable mention. I feel like I'm about to hurt some people's feelings here, um, but I don't care. It's my list. Um, Heart of the City, Ain't No Love. Um, this... Great sample for one of a Bobby Blue Bland song. Um, added some nice little elements like that little melody on top of it, so that makes you know makes a great sample. And then he just, I just like his his lines. Shout out to Courtney, um, who used to always quote the line "What you eat don't make me shit," <laughs> <laughs> which made me love the song even more. Um, but yeah, just I really like this song, mostly for the sample. I'm not gonna lie. But I just like the way the production's put together, of course. No surprise. It's Kanye West beat, Kanye West production. Um, before, like, he was really big, I think. Oh, yeah, this um, is on the blueprint. Yeah, so he was, I mean, like. known as a producer. Yeah, we didn't really know who he was. We didn't, he wasn't the, which is why, like, how are you going to say he can beat him in a versus? But whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I really like this song. It's just really cool. It has a nice little groove to it. I don't know. It's just. I like it. It's a nice driving song. Didn't get this nice little hook. To where uh, I almost like the the sample better because everything they add to it. Yeah. I almost like it better. 
So. All right. So. Uh, part of the city from the blueprint. All right. My first honorable mention. Um, I did not. A lot of people love Reasonable Doubt. <clears throat> I didn't really get into Reasonable Doubt. Um, but I like wow, this Greg. song. Okay. I was like, wow, Greg. <laughs> I'm not as well versed on Jay-Z as a lot of other people. Yeah. Some some people would probably call me a jaywalker. I know for a fact Monario has. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, so this is Dead Presidents 2. I thought it was just Dead Presidents, but it's the that's, this is the one that I know. So uh, this from Reasonable Doubt. Um, I like how it was how it's put together. I like to put the sample on it. Uh, the the line in the chorus comes from a Nas song from the Nas song, uh, "The World Is Yours." Yep. <laughs> um, and I think he put it. Jay Z put in the song like, "You made it a hot line. I made it a hot song." <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that where the beef started? I don't know. Um, but I think this is. I don't know if he, I think he still does this song in concert whenever he performs. I, I think it's uh, reasonable doubt may have. I think production wise, it is aged well. Lyrically, yeah. probably not. <laughs> not much. Not much rap has, yeah. as we just heard. But yeah, not much rap has age. Yeah. Well. Um. But there, this is the. Let me see. I think this is the only song I have off of Reasonable Doubt. It's um, crazy to think how old this album is. Yeah, 1996. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Yeah. And he's still relevant. Yeah. Like, let that sink that in. That is. That is the. I mean, I think because of that, because of the longevity, you can say, like, no one can touch me the verse. I got 25 years of yeah. stuff. <laughs> Which is why I say I have some controversial opinions on him that I think some people might want to, want to drag me for. I'm not going to say them on here, um, but I, I, I have some opinions about Jay-Z and his success and his contributions to the rap game. Because I, I think even with the respect he gets, he doesn't get enough. Mm. I, st- I still think he does not get enough. Even with all the respect he gets, don't think he gets enough. Um, I'm going to ask you to expand on that uh, in a little bit. <laughs> uh, so your second honorable mention. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, the reason we didn't do this before is because I was sick. Still getting over it. But um, it is uh, now tuned into the motherfucking greatest. Tuned into the motherfucking greatest. <laughs> <laughs> I love that opening. Um, so recently I saw a video of the first time Timbaland played this beat for Jay-Z. Yeah. And just, they just had this, they're like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is big. And Timbaland just has to look like, they're like, how you do it? He's like, I just do. So, um, I like this song. I would maybe say a few years ago, maybe five or six years ago, it'd be higher. Um, but I really, really, really like this song just for what he what he raps about. Um, so this is going to become a theme here. Jay-Z is really good at hooks. I think that's one of his things. Like, I know people are like, oh, he doesn't write his raps down. And and beyond the fact that he's he is a skilled rapper, is he the fastest rapper? No. Is he technical? No. But, like, Jay-Z can be melodic when he needs to be, and he can come up with a really good hook. And I think that's one of the biggest strengths of this song. And that's a rare skill yeah. with the hooks because 
if you listen to a lot of music, a lot of rap music from the 80s and 90s, there are no hooks. Yeah. It's just if they sampled a song, it'll be a that's line from hook. that. Yeah. That's the hook. Yeah. Or sometimes they'll just, it'll, there'll be nothing. It'll just be the beat. Yeah. For four bars and then they come back in. So, and yeah. Like, this was one of those, to me, this hook is up there with like, you know, like drop it like it's hot. You know, with that line from Lil Wayne, yeah. which essentially was a was a verse, but it was a hook. It develops into a hook. Dust your, you know, if you feel like a pimp, dust your shoulders off. That's become a that's a thing now. I think one <laughs> thing about this song also is that this should have been. This was supposed. This was off the Black album, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be the last one. Yeah. He's retiring. This is the one where you know this is the Jordan shot over yeah. over Brian Russell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you know I, I think it would it would it was a good song to go out on, mm-hmm. but of course he had he had more to say. More a to lot do, more to a say. A lot more to say and do. So, uh, but I think at this point, this is Jay Z at what was his peak at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, and like I said, with the hook, it's a memorable hook. Yeah. If you don't know the rest of the song, you know, the hook to this song. Yep. So yeah. I, Which is what I really like. And like, that's going to become a theme. Cause a lot of the songs I like are his hook laden songs. Um, and this one was so good. It, it became a phrase. It became a thing, uh, an action, you know, mm-hmm. dirt off your shoulder. So yeah. Uh, my second honorable mention, um, this is actually the first song I heard by Jay-Z. And it was, um, I had this CD in high school of Grammy nominees from, mm-hmm. I think, 1998 or 1999 or mm-hmm. something. And it had all the rap nominees from the best rap performance by duo or group, mm-hmm. solo, and a track from best rap album. And I think this was nominated for the best, um, for best rap album. The, the song mm-hmm. the, the song came from an album not for best rap album and that is can i get a hey <laughs> that was the rush hour soundtrack it was from yeah. the rush hour soundtrack great song featuring Emil and a then unknown ja rule <laughs> Where is ja? <laughs> he i will say this about ja rule he came out pretty hard on the on that verse kind of like he knew he had something to prove yeah he was like this is your shot jay-z is pretty big right now this is about to be a big movie this is your like this is your shot come out and, and do something so and jay-z yeah this is great beat this is a really great beat too yeah i uh the, i like the beat the most about oh, yeah. the song and you know this was an era where you know the music video is such a big deal and mm-hmm. you know I don't know if it was we, we're coming from an era of uh, a lot of dudes wearing Timberland boots yeah. and big jackets and mugging for the camera. Yeah. And then here comes Jay-Z. I don't know if he wore a throwback jersey in the video, but he or he would wear like a nice blazer. Yeah. He and looks a shirt. Smooth. And I think what he took, what he I always felt like. A lot of people look at Jay as like he just took everything from Biggie after mm-hmm. Biggie died. Mm-hmm. But I think in his own right, I think it would have ushered, it would have been part of ushering in an era of this different style of rapper where it's yeah. everything's more smoothed out. 
it's more polished production and the persona of the artists themselves is one of not someone who is someone who appears more sophisticated than what yeah. they actually are mm -hmm. so um personally i thought emil is funny looking yeah a little bit. <laughs> uh i didn't really care for her but voice. she could she could rap a little bit and the the vocally it it's different yeah it's distinctive it, it's distinctive you can pick her out yeah <laughs> um and I, yeah, and then Ja Rule, I, I probably had checked out by the time Ja Rule came around. <laughs> but this was before, like, this is this is early, early Ja Rule. Yeah. Uh, like you said, on the Rush Hour soundtrack, um, a huge hit. And for a while, I thought Jay-Z was going to be, like, the soundtrack king because he had a song on, um, remember that, uh, on Blue Streak? Yep. He had a song on there. Mm -hmm. um, There's another soundtrack he was on. He was on Sprung sprung yeah and then when rockefeller started making their own movies yep. <laughs> so yeah uh so that's my second honorable mention all right ben number five all right number five because i like i said before this is another one of those lists i could do over again so i gotta remember all right so that's the first jay-z song greg heard this is the first jay-z song i heard and that is who you wit um I remember not really knowing who he was. So as I just alluded, Sprung soundtrack. This movie was on the Sprung soundtrack. Um, in the video, he's dressed like a pimp. The suit, the hat, the cane, and everything. Um, and I remember pretty distinctively, it was the summer before I moved up here because my father got a job up here. So he was working, and my dad was a retail manager. And he, he managed the McCory store on Broadway and Peachtree downtown. It's a really big store, like a two-story department store, essentially. And in the front, he had um, someone rented out a space to sell records out of, like records, CDs, tapes. And I guess this guy knew that my dad had a young son. I was, a, you know, maybe 13, 12, 13 at the time. And so, well, yeah, because I was just about to start high school. So I would have been 13. And so whenever he would get promos and stuff, when he didn't need them anymore, he'd just give them to me. Mm. So I would have this, I would have boxes full of tapes and CDs, sometimes from people you would never hear from again, <laughs> because it's just a record company just sending, you know, whatever. And then sometimes it'd be stuff like, Who You With by Jay-Z. And I was just, it was kind of, I was like, holy crap, this is really good. Um... And ever since then, I became obsessed with it. I was in the video on BET. Um, I just, I love this video. Like, I love the beat. It's like a kind of a weird beat, kind of, you know, syncopated, kind of choppy a little bit. But still, I think he, I think he does well on it. And it's an, it's an early glimpse at Jay-Z. It's one of his first singles. He's not what we know now, you know? Like, it's, I don't know. I feel like there are, are distinctive eras of Jay-Z. It's kind of subtle, but he does not sound now how he sounded back then. He's well, not even is, rapping about the same things. Yeah, this from In My Lifetime. This is from Volume 1. Yeah. This is 1997, so. Yeah. So this is, bef you know, before he's made it. So he can't really, I mean, like, you know, he's a drug dealer from Brooklyn. So he can't really rap about, he can only rap about what he knows. He hasn't met Beyonce yet. He hasn't. You know, he's not ahead of Rock Nation yet or Rockefeller Records yet or anything like that. So there's only so many things he can rap about. So I think it's 
so interesting. He's one of those rappers that literally he will rap about whatever is around him, what he's going through. I don't think that's necessarily unique, but I just think it's interesting to hear from a rapper like him for what it's worth. All right. So that's number five. Uh, my number five. Um, this was also on that same Grammys album mm-hmm. uh, because I think he was nominated for this song. And uh, it was one of the one of the more unique rap songs ever made at the time. Mm-hmm. Whew, this one came close. <laughs> I listened to this on the way over. <laughs> when he said, take the bass line out. I love that. Oh, I love it. I just love it. I don't know if he started where people were like, Rappers were saying like, yeah. "Hey, they turn turn this up, turn this down." Before someone the, while the track that, is going on, someone said he popularized it. Like I was on Genius, and they said that because I, I was looking at this song, and they're like, um, "He was known for doing that to bring people to make them feel like they were a part of the recording process." Um, and that's just what he does. I, lo- I love it. Uh, and I think. The the thing that uh, that of course that sticks out to me is the sample itself. Oh yes, of of sampling the song from Annie. Uh, it's a hard knock life, and you know a lot of I think at the time what makes it what made it so unique to me is that this musical that is not really connected to black people in the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to sample that because a lot of times like the songs that were being sampled were basically jazz, maybe a, a little bit of a rock sample here and there. Mm-hmm. Some of the Beastie Boys of you or Run DMC. Yeah. But for this, uh, the 45 King produced this one to to use that and they to identify with it. Um it, I think it, 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 it shocked people a little bit, mm-hmm. but it drew, it, it drew them in because it sounds really good. Yeah, like they, like they made it work. It's a great, probably, if I mean maybe the most unique sample ever. I think it, it probably pushed producers to go look in other places. Like I think of the Mem song, Chang Hang Low. Yeah. Like oh maybe you can take an old song. So I mean it wasn't successful every time. But definitely a very unique sample. Like, how do you take the one of the showstoppers from Annie <laughs> and make a banger? Um, and it became a. I think if it came out today, it would be a meme. The closest I guess it, you say that it became a meme is it, its use in Goldmember. Doctor Evil. Never, I never saw Goldmember. Uh, so, uh, Doctor Evil. Mike Myers is Doctor Evil. Uh, in Goldmember, him and Mini Me are sent to prison, <laughs> and then in just a random musical break, they they have their own lyrics to this song. Is it similar to what he did with just the two of us? Yes. And this, okay, I just because okay, on Thanksgiving, I just saw the first Awesome Powers movie for the first time. I've never seen the first one. It's on HBO I've seen Max. the second one and the third one. <laughs> and I ju- and I saw the second one the same night because they're they're all on HBO Max. I don't know if I don't watch the third one. We'll see. Maybe I'll watch it on Christmas. I don't know. We'll see. All right. So Ben, your number 
Three? Number four. four. Number four. All right. So this is, this might have been the second Jay-Z song I heard, The City Is Mine, uh, featuring Blackstreet. Um, so like a lot of songs, just because, yes, kids, music videos used to be a thing. Um, the music video is what drew me in. And I bought the CD single from that guy who sold records at my dad's store. I bought the CD single for this one. And I remember watching the video. Was it Chaz? Uh, is it Chaz Parliamentary in it? Or is it? Um, what movie? Well, no, in the video for this oh, one. In the video? I've never seen the video. Oh, you have it. I've All right, never so seen hold the video. On. Have you seen The Usual Suspects? Yes. Okay. So <clears throat> it's basically. Oh, was it a pair? Okay. I, it's been a, I may have seen it once or twice. Yeah. But if it's the like kind of a take on the usual, yeah, he's suspects. verbal. Yeah, he's verbal, okay. Kent. Yeah, and he's basically the entire time he's rapping. And this is like right after that movie came out. Yeah, <laughs> this is not long after. Um, so I had never seen Usual Suspects, and so and I guess close your ears if you don't want a twenty-something-year-old movie spoiled. But like at the end when he starts walking straight and everything, I was like, oh, that's cool. And then maybe. 15 years later, I see The Usual Suspects, and I'm kind of mad because I knew the ending already. <laughs> like, to, as it's getting towards the end, and he starts walking, I'm like, oh, crap, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it's also kind of spoiled in the Leslie Nielsen movie, too. Yeah. Where he does that with John Walsh. Um, but the video is what drew me in, because, like, there's pauses within it. And he goes, he's, he's a line. Are you trying to get a rise out of me, detective? Like he, like the whole thing. So that drew me in. And then, of course, you know, I love um, Jay Z. Not Jay. Well, I love Jay Z's rapping, but Blackstreet singing the hook. It's a great sample from what Glenn Fry. The city is mine. Are you? Uh, are you belong, belong to, to the, the city. city? Yeah, Glenn Fry. He he's he passed right. Rest in peace. Yeah. Okay. Rest in peace, Glenn Fry. Um, but no, I thought this was a great great hook. Great saxophone riff there. And then I just, I like the way that he raps in this song, the way he kind of plays around towards the end of the verse so you know that it's coming. It's great. Everything about the song is great. Uh, that made me think, because of the, the sample, Glenn Fry and Don Henley went in totally different directions <laughs> in their solo careers. They really did. Like Don, I, Don Henley, is, is his is more like, his, his songs are about nostalgia and growing up. Glenn Fry is about... Selling drugs. <laughs> Selling drugs in Miami. I never realized until like a few years ago he had a song on Ghostbusters too, the um, Flip City. Like they, I was like they really went in different directions, man. Like yeah. I was like, this is the. I had to look at. I was like, this is the guy from the Eagles. <laughs> All right. Check out the uh, video or uh, song Smuggler's Blues. Anyway. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so my number four, uh, speaking of drugs, uh, this song is a metaphor. Well, to me, I may have totally misinterpreted this song. Like I said, I'm not a Jay-Z scholar. Uh, I'm a fan. I like his music. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a scholar. I thought this song was just a big old metaphor for heroin. And it's, uh, I know from American Gangster. <laughs> Uh, produced by Pharrell. As you can immediately, you can tell from the, uh, the four count. <laughs> oh god! No, this was very characteristic of their production style around this time too. Yeah, like very bright, um, trebly sense. Um, 
I guess the thing that confused me at this time with because this is from American Gangster, the thing I was confused about was I thought this was the soundtrack to American Gangster because it was at the same time. Yep. Yep. Um, the covers were very similar too, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I it, you would have that's an honest mistake. So uh, I was a little confused about that, but this was just an album, I guess, inspired by Frank Luke, Frank Lucas's story. Yeah. Uh, but with this, you know, uh, I think the other single, uh, Rock Boys, was a single, and yeah, I think Boys Blue Max. Magic was a single. The thing that's that I remember about <laughs> this is, is like visually, uh, Jay Z does not appear in the video. It's just Zoe Kravitz. Uh, walking around and I think she goes to a party mm-hmm. and um, she's seeing like different images or us uh, or like stars or it, it, it I've only seen the video a couple times but that's <laughs> I, that's what I remember I know it's it's her and Jay-Z's not in it <laughs> but the song itself is um a metaphor for the the song is is he's he's rapping from the perspective of heroin, mm-hmm. uh, and I like the concept of how the song is put together. From what I think it is, like I said, I may be completely wrong, <laughs> but that's what it sounded like. To me, I've know? not heard that, but I too do not claim to be a Jay Z scholar, just a really big fan. But I could see that. Um. So yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I so I'm I, I had one from American Gangster, and um, you did not. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was I just I was never a huge fan of that one. So I like that because so, I'm a Neptune's fan too. Yeah. So that was part of it. Yeah, and that right. is so Neptune. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um. Oh, the uh, Titans won tonight, so my Cowboys are in the playoffs. Word up. Uh, all right, Ben, number three. <clears throat> um, so um, I, I once posted a picture um, when I was going home to Thanksgiving. There's a lot of traffic. And I said, um, I don't fight traffic. I rock Tom Ford. <laughs> I was obsessed with this song when it came out. That's a hook right there. <laughs> this guy... Oh God! And that's not even the main. That's not even the main hook. You know, like this is just like the opening. Jay Z, man, just give it up for him. He made a song off a brand, <laughs> and that's how poor I am. I didn't even know what Tom Ford was. I was like, "Who is your director?" I was like, "What?" Is-? <laughs> and then I looked it up. I was like, "Oh, it's a designer. Yeah, a high end designer, and also a. Um, I think he's a." I think he's a film director. Oh, so he's and, a director too. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, he directed uh, uh, a single man. Okay. And nocturnal animals. Yeah. So he's a film director too. It probably also did not help that, or did not hurt that uh, my wife, girlfriend at the time, really liked this song as well. Apparently, it's, she says it's a great. Um, twerking beat or something i don't know okay great song though beyond that even before she said that i was like it's just a great song and because like be, because of how it it sounds and like 
Okay, you don't know what these sounds are? Yeah. It's Timbaland produced this. Timbaland yeah. and J-Rock <laughs> produced this. And it's like, <laughs> I just thought of that. Uh, I don't know if I show you that video of Busta Rhymes and Timbaland where like he hears something it's like what is what is that what is that a stock sound <laughs> or oh, that's y'all secret stuff <laughs> i mean he probably I, usually i just think of like i just feel like he made it with his mouth i don't know like he's he just has i don't know he's just the the sounds he hears the you know you can tell he studied european djs you can just tell and this is at a point where like you said what, what jay-z was rapping about in 1996 it's not what he's rapping about in 2013 bring to the concourse like yeah he's rich now (laughs) like he's rapping about like private jets private high-end designers and and buying basquiat paintings like (laughs) things we can't relate to going to paris on a whim but he did it to a catchy beat so you know and apparently uh at the end of the song it's beyonce with uncredited vocals it's cool. It's cool. It's it's still a good song. It's still despite that, still a good song. But <laughs> I feel like they're gonna put a hit out on me. <laughs> God, I just I just love this song. Yeah. But yeah, that used to be my thing. Like I just would say, I'm pretty sure I know it my wife to no end. But I would say things like, I don't blah blah. I rock time for like it would just be. That was for a while, you know. I don't wash dishes. I rock time for it. Like, yes, you do wash dishes. Yes, I do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that is, I'm pretty sure that is still on my Instagram. I don't fight traffic. I rock time for it. But I did fight traffic that day. Uh, okay. <laughs> so my, uh, uh, my number three, um, you should say from his most recent offering. Wait. Is it? I don't depends on the yes this is his most recent album okay so from the album 444 is the title track 444 um this was a different side of Uh, Jay-Z of course this was this album was I guess you could consider it the response to Lemonade Mm -hmm. um in which he he kind of just lays it out there yeah um and you know, it, this is an apology. The song is exactly four minutes and 44 seconds. Um, as far as what he what he did, what kind of person he was mm-hmm. and uh, his showing remorse, um, I guess by getting more into the it's not about anything like material. It's not yeah. about a lifestyle. Mm-mm. It's more about him as a person yeah um just like any man who would be in that situation yeah how does he re- how does he react how does he respond so i appreciate this song because it 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 shows a side a side of him a different side of him and it's not something that you see you don't see that in hip hop very much no of not someone vulnerability no being vulnerable and being remorseful for their actions Mm-hmm. Um, or you know, being apologetic in any way. Um, but he talks about how, like, how he cheated and how he uh, uh, embarrassed 
his wife and wonders how he's going to explain it to his daughter. Um, the stuff that they went through that they didn't talk about publicly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was it was a moment for him to like kind of lay it out there, get these thoughts out, and um, and show vulnerability. Yeah. That's why I appreciate I appreciate. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so I appreciate the track, and I think it was nominated. For song or record of the year, I know the album was nominated for album of the year, but I think uh, the song the itself was nominated for record of the year. Song of the year and rap best rap performance. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it this and the story of OJ. I, I think you get the gist of the whole album. It's good, but yeah. you get the gist of it with yeah. those two songs. <laughs> uh, so yeah. All right. Um, number two, Ben. All right. Um, so even if I did remake this list, these would probably always be number one and number two. Uh, number two is Lost One by Jay-Z. Does by Jay-Z. Uh, featuring Chrisette Michelle. If I remember correctly, this one is produced by Dr. Dre. And he learned piano for this song. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad at all. Um, I think this was on... Uh, this is on Kingdom, Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come, yeah. This is the comeback album. Yeah. I love this song because so we talk about vulnerability, we talk about introspection. He has some very interesting verses on here. Um, I believe the first one is just about how fame can be a drug. The second verse is about a filled relationship. Which you usually don't hear rappers rapping about. Initially, I thought it might have been um, Beyonce, but then I was like, no, they're still together. So now it's they, they Rosario said it Dawson. Was. Well, Jay-Z said that it was about Beyonce. Well, it was. Oh. Because the other rumor was that it was about Rosario. But he said it's about Beyonce. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. But I think it's just, it's a great song, a beautiful hook, sung by Chrisette Michelle. Um, this is this is one of those songs, like, I just, I listen to fairly regularly, just because I love just the vibe to it and everything. It's very simple gets straight to the point like he doesn't really beat around the bush with what he's rapping about um so they said the uh the first yeah the first verse is about jazzo and dame dash second verse is about beyonce the third verse is about his nephew who uh, yeah. died in a yeah. car accident Forgot about the in a car verse. that jay-z bought, bought him, him for his graduation mm-hmm. uh and how he blames himself mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean i think a lot of people <clears throat> because the, you know being in the, the the early ages of facebook and social media i think a lot of people dismissed kingdom come as an album mm-hmm. i don't know maybe it was rushed uh, i like the couple of songs on it i yeah. like this one um maybe it just wasn't yeah, it I like didn't what you got <laughs> yeah yeah so, I don't know. Pe- people dismiss it and say, oh, it was bad. Like, As a matter of fact, one of the beats I made, I know on my computer is titled Lisa Lisa, but it was the beat for some company. Was inspired by Kingdom Come. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. I don't want to get out secrets. I'm never going to be famous or nothing. But, like, yeah, that was that song was inspired by. Like, I was in my room one night just listening to Kingdom listening to Shimochi Gat, and I was like, hmm. Hmm. Started playing around with chords and 
came up with the beat that like if if you broke down the chord progression you'd hear it yeah all right so uh my number two was ben's second honorable mention um I, di- I just made this change at the last second. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, so, Dirt Off Your Shoulders is my number two. Anything you want to add to it? Um, well, like I said, I, it, was, it, it was a good song at the time to be, uh, you know, the, the walk-off home run. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, he, he just couldn't stay. He couldn't stay away too, no. too long. Mm-mm. You know, and he he has a Michael Jordan mentality as far as not with the you know trying to make up any perceived slight to to get yourself motivated. I never said that to Jay Z, <laughs> <laughs> but more of the um, the the love of the craft. Yeah. Um. To where that's why he retired and then came back because mm-hmm. he loved making music so yep. much. So that's why he came back. Um, so, yeah, that was that was it. I mean, that, that, I I think, but I think at at the time with dirt off your shoulder, like, did he think this is the best it's going to get, or I sit, I need to sit down and regroup because I don't know if I can do any better. Yeah, you know, I it, mean, it was one of those kind of moments. <laughs> Might have been the best beat he'd ever had up to that point. Like that's yeah. I mean, that beat is just epic. All right, Ben, you're number one. This is my favorite Jay-Z beat ever. Um, it's beautiful. It's girls, girls, girls. It's a great hook. Um, I think what really, really made me fall in love with this was his Unplugged concert, where The Roots is his backing band, and they have the strings and everything, and it's just like... And it's so funny because it's like such a trivial song. <laughs> like it's like you got this like beautiful beat. Like like if you put this like in the hands of like, you know, like like Black Thought maybe or like or um Q tip or something, maybe they rap about something poignant. But he's just rapping about different girls. And yeah. I love every single description he gives, the metaphors he uses. The, the 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 diction just everything is beautiful like it's just i love this that's great <laughs> throw some french in there i just love this song like i i listen to it all the time yeah uh the video has carmen electra Tamla mm-hmm. jones paula j parker and while in backstage, well, it seemed like he wore any jersey yeah. of any player. <laughs> Look at the back of the jersey. Who's that? Uh, in this video, he is known for wearing a Sammy Baugh jersey. Yeah, I was going to say, who is who is Sammy Baugh? Uh, played for the Washington, what we'll call the football team. Okay. But back then, right they now. were known by the other name. Yeah. But he was one of the first, like, star quarterbacks in the NFL like if we're actually throwing the ball mm-hmm. they may have thrown the ball at that time maybe like five times a game Hold but on, he how had long like all the pass this? this was like in the 30s and 40s holy crap that is very obscure okay uh but he I mean he was one of the first superstar quarterbacks yeah. in NFL history hmm. um, that's extremely that's so obscure <laughs> and and like 
there's a certain numbering system now, mm-hmm. but as a quarterback, he wore number 33. Mm-hmm. And because that's, I don't know, it's it looks different when it's a quarterback wearing that number, yeah. you know. Uh, and he also wore a San Diego Padres jersey, the brown and yellow one, I think. Yeah. From the early 80s. Mm. They had like a brown and yellow jersey. Yeah. Uh, that was, I think they were wearing the dark blue with the orange at, at the time when this song came out. Oh, okay. They've kind of gone back to the, to the brown and yellow yeah. scheme now, but... It's yeah. You when you see it, you'll yeah. You'll see how that it was a very popular at the time. So it was known for that. Um, and the uh, I love those strings. It's beautiful. Uh, also has uncredited vocals from Michael Jackson and Shantae Moore. Q-Tip, Biz, Marquee, and Slick Rick too. And uh, the song was originally produced for Ghostface. I guess he turned it down. You know, this very sounds very similar to his song, All That I Got Is You, which also has very beautiful strings, very beautiful song. See, and that's the thing. Someone like Ghostface, that's a very kind of dark, but a very poignant song. It's about the struggle. Yeah. What does Jay-Z do when he gets a beat like this? All the different <laughs> girls I've had. <laughs> like, <laughs> the two... And I hate that. That's kind of like you think about rap, how like the references can be aged to the back of her head, like Deuce Bigelow. Do the kids even know? Like, what's Deuce Bigelow? It's the guy who said, oh, no, we suck. Like, who can do it? But they don't know those references. Yeah, they, w- they wouldn't know that either. Yeah. No, they wouldn't know either. No, they wouldn't know it. No. All right. My number one song, um, a lot of people say that he lost the battle, but this was one of the, in, as far as this song, this oh, is oh, in my oh, top oh, five. I know where we're going. I know where we're you going. already know what this is. Also from the Blueprint. So I'm guessing you don't think the ether's better? Ether was more accurate. <laughs> I believe you, I've heard you say this before. But yeah. the beat itself, the beat for takeover, yeah, the just the energy of it mm-hmm. is better than it either. Lyrical yeah. content, give it to Ether. Mm-hmm. The overall song itself, I give it to Takeover, which is why. That's why no one like yeah. some people say, yeah, well, Nas won the battle. No one cares. Yeah, <laughs> like thirty years later, twenty years later. No. What's Nas doing? I mean, he's invested money, so I mean, he's good. But he's not one of the biggest but, rappers yeah, of all time. Yeah, he's not. He's not a billionaire. Yeah, like Jay Z, he's a millionaire, but not a billionaire. Because yeah. Jay Z, he's. I'm not a yeah. businessman. I'm a business man. So business, comma man. Yeah. So, uh, interesting enough, this song was released on September 11, 2001. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, like I said, produced by Kanye West. Um, that sounds so huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the sample of The Doors. Uh, that's the um, samples five, the one by The Doors. 
the part where he says, watch out, we run New York. That's Sound of the Police by KRS-One. Mm. And then uh, I think uh, there's a part where he they sample David Bowie's fame. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this was originally performed as... The first two verses were originally performed as an untitled diss towards Prodigy from Mob Deep. What did he have against Prodigy? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I the one the same thing. I mean, everyone was going after them. I mean, Tupac was going after them. I think they were going after people too. Okay, because I mean, I know Shook ones kind of felt like they were just dissing everyone. Yeah. Kind of. It, it, I think it was like really at as many people on the West Coast as possible. Yeah. Because I think... Um, Snoop made a song called New York, New York, and it was a diss at East Coast rappers. Like, here's the fake yeah. sample. So they made a song called L.A. L.A. <laughs> Make it what's going So Mob Deep has an understated involvement in the East Coast, yeah. West Coast uh, rivalry. I want to go back now and look at because all the critics from the NYC by West Side Connection was a diss record to a bunch of rappers on the west on the on the east coast <laughs> fuck your backpacks i love that line but i just wondered like who they meant i wonder if there were any you know any any digs at mob deep that i might have missed because i never realized i guess how like you said it's understated like they're the they're like you know um like that evil fairy that starts something and then they run off and you're like man why are we even fighting and it was mob deep all <laughs> <laughs> And like you got the one person that's like naming them. It's like, no, it was Prodigy from Mob Deep. I know it was. It's like, I mean, they haven't even been here. <laughs> oh, and then like doing the math on Nas's <laughs> albums. Like. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I haven't listened to this but in a this long was, time. This was before Ether, right? Yeah. So I listened to this in a long time. Um, Shit, I haven't listened to Ether in a long time either. Yeah. I think the last time I listened to Ether was when when Sheether came out. And I was like, oh, let's go listen to Ether again. And then I just, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this was of that, of their back and forth, this was the best. Mm-hmm. The best, uh, the best song of it. Some people like "Super Ugly" as well, but feel like Nas won with "Ether" yeah. because it was more accurate, yeah. <laughs> very targeted. <laughs> so, um, hey guys, I know we left a lot on the table. That, like, like Ben said, this is one we could do again and may have seven different songs. Yeah, uh, some songs that were left out. Um. Uh, Izzo, yeah, I I don't like that song. I'm not really a fan of it. Like I said, he's he can write a hook. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Great hook, but otherwise, I really that. don't care for it. Yeah, uh, a lot of people like 99 Problems. I think it's one of those songs. I have a list of songs that a list of hip hop songs that white people love. Mm. 99 Problems is on that list. Mm. Not a um, bad song. It's a cool video. Him yeah. and Rick Rubin just kind of chilling, you know, walking. Produced down the by Rick Rubin. Yeah. Um, Big Pimpin', the the, Sli- the song that introduced yeah. the masses to UGK, even though they had been sad, around for yeah. a long time. 
<laughs> but no, yeah, I love that. And well, I won't, I won't say much. I won't say much. But yes, that's that's a great song. Great beat. One of those beats you would have never known Timbaland did. Um, another one, Empire State of Mind. I found that I like Alicia Keys's like solo version of that better. Yeah. Um, Frontin', produced by Pharrell from the it's a good Clones song. It's a album. Good song. Um, can't knock the hustle. Very almost, just barely missed. I love that song as well. Uh, encore, either the original or the Lincoln Park mashup. I don't like the Lincoln Park mashup. MCV was just trying stuff. At yeah. That point. Um, the story of OJ. Not a bad song. I'm not. I'm not as high on 444 as some people, especially as the Academy was. But story OJ is not bad. Um, I purposely excluded Watch the Throne. As did I. Uh, I felt that that's cheating. Because <laughs> if if this was the case, Negroes in Paris might have been number one or number two. Uh, that song is just is so high energy. <laughs> I also excluded um, Run This Town. I yeah. felt that might have been a little unfair. Though I I was trying to stay away from the features. Yeah, the big features. Yeah. Uh, the I had I had one the the candidate because that that was one of the first songs I heard by him. Mm-hmm. Um, Death of Auto Tune, where <laughs> did he end Auto Tune with that song? So in a way, if you ask <laughs> if you ask T Pain, he says no. Basically, his record label kept making him delay delay because he had stuff he wanted to put out. He's like delay. They're like uh, no, just wait, just wait, just wait. And then he's like, and then Jay Z released DOA. And like everyone was like, "Oh man, he killed you." It's like, no, I've been trying to release stuff already. Right. You saying no. it was one of the reasons why he left them. But like, yeah, he says that's not the reason. I mean, it could be. I don't know because he also tried to kill Skinny Jeans, and that didn't work. Uh, there's also um, um, some people like Streets is watching from Volume One, and there was another song I saw on here. Uh, change clothes from the black yeah. album, and excuse me, miss. Excuse me, miss. Great song. Um, then we were like on to the next one. I heard that like ESPN oh, used the that. hell out of that song. Yeah, <laughs> for their for any one. football games, they yeah. use that one a lot. So was, yeah. yeah. Oh, and Lucifer. The, I like the sample for. for mm. I like how There's they. There's another they song that I can't one. think of. Um, Show me what you got. Of course. Oh God, that's another one with with the Neptunes. Um, give it to me. Give me that funk, that sweet, that nasty, oh, uh, that goose. I just want to love you. I just want to love you. And the, uh, I <laughs> guess the part <laughs> two to that, <laughs> La La La. I don't think I know La La La. How's that one go? Um, I can't remember. I'll, I'll play it later. Benny Sikolo is smoking that La La La. Yes, that. Yeah, that yes, song. That, I had to think about for that. a second. I, I can remember. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like part two to that song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I know there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of Jay-Z that, that we left out, but you know, like I said, if we made this list again, it might be, di- it will be different songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, some songs may be ranked higher, but that's the, that's the challenge of making this list. We're trying to narrow it down to seven songs in a particular order. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the fun part. That's the fun part of making oh, these lists. Oh, yeah. So um, that'll do it for our Because 5 Jay-Z songs. Uh, I'm going to make this public right now. So if you search 
BTTYHT Because 5 Jay Z, you will find our list. And uh, you can see, you know, how and see how it looks. Share your top five. Yeah. Let us know. All right. Um, oh, yeah. We exclude we, the albums that we did not include was Blueprint 3. Nothing from I'm Blueprint 3. I'm trying to think what's, what's on the Blueprint 3. That had uh, Young Forever and Run This Town and. Okay, Young Forever's not bad. On to the next one. I do like on to the next one. The beat can kind of get annoying sometimes, but yeah. Uh, and we had nothing from Blueprint 2. Um, what was Blueprint 2? Trying to pull it up. Um, well, let's just go to his discography. <laughs> what was on Blueprint 2? Um, that is the blueprint, blueprint three, kingdom come black album. Okay. There's blueprint two and then blueprint 2.1. So <laughs> blueprint two had, uh, Oh three Bonnie and Clyde and excuse I me, miss. Hate oh three. Oh God. I hate that song. Uh, the bounce <clears throat> and, um, yeah. And then blueprint 2.1 had uh i guess these i guess so just some extra stuff because as o3 bonnie and clyde and meet the parents and God, I hate and la 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 there's a most of the stuff he does with beyonce i don't care for i liked his verse in crazy in love but like ugh. so i had one from american gangster nothing from blueprint three um we watch the throne is disqualified and Ben had one from Magna Carta Holy Grail, and I had one from 444. Okay. Um, so we'll get to my earworm of the week. Uh, took a little bit of a break from Acid Jazz <laughs> and uh, went back to my alternative list from melodies or productions that I like. <clears throat> and I, Ben, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a band called Luscious Jackson. I am, actually. Um, I can't remember how. I think it might have to do with Aaron um, from West Georgia. I don't know what her last name is now, but I think she was a Luscious Jackson fan, actually. All right, so this is a, a song from their album Fever In, Fever, In, Fever Out, a song called Under Your Skin. Um, I like how they just they put a lot of genres together <laughs> for their music. Um, so... I, li I like how this song sounds. Uh, so this is Under Your Skin by Luscious Jackson from Fever In, Fever Out, and we'll be right back. Under your
That is Under Your Skin by Luscious Jackson. Are they British? No. Okay. It's got some it's got some British vibes going in there. They are from They're from New York. I was gonna say New York. They sound like they're from the East Coast, if not from the UK. Um and they're probably for those who are not familiar, they're probably more known for their song Naked Eye or Lady Fingers. Okay. Um but I think this was their, this is from their second album. There's another song I like on their first album that it's even more hip hop influence. Mm, okay. Um, I don't know which one of them was a DJ, but that's <laughs> that's what kind of band it, they sounded like. So. So you're telling me, Limp Biscuit wasn't the first band with a DJ? Oh no, not a, no. At least. Well, maybe someone DJ, but live, they all <laughs> looked like a band. They didn't have an actual DJ. I don't know. I, I That's something yeah. plenty to think about. Like, there were two really big bands back in the day. One of them still, I mean, does DJ Lethal still play with Limp Bizkit? Um, I don't know. Because I think of, so the bands I'm thinking of are Limp Bizkit and Incubus. Both had DJs. And it's um, just weird to think about. Like, Linkin oh, Park had one, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mike Shinoda. Uh, DJ Lethal it, is still part of the group. No, Mike Schnoda. Mike Schnoda was just a rapper. Mike Schnoda was a rapper. Who was the DJ? Um, I can't remember. Wasn't it? Uh, because I think it was the dude who he also directed all the videos. Mr. Han. It's, yeah. Yeah, because he also did. Um. Yeah. Yeah, because he did all the remixes and stuff too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Joe Han or Mr. Han. Yeah, because yeah, he was he, in Fort he directed Minor, right? All the videos. <laughs> He was in Fort Minor with was Mike Shinoda. Fort Minor? I yes. Thought he was. Yeah. Yes. That's crazy, man. Bands just have DJs. What? <laughs> <laughs> hey, new metal was a that was a special time, yeah. y'all. A special time. And it's funny because like Limp Biscuit did not adjust. Um, Incubus sounds nothing like they from from era to era. They sound nothing like they did. And so yeah. I mean, same thing with Lincoln Park. Once they got minutes to midnight, after that, it's you get you got those fans. It's like pre minutes to midnight, post minutes to midnight. Like you got those fans. It was like, that's I do that's not, the line. Do not fuck with that is minutes to midnight. <laughs> I'm one of those fans. I fuck with them after minutes to midnight. I like yeah. So yeah. <laughs> oh oh, before we go, want to make sure we mention too on Spotify. Well, have, have you been able to find it yet? The rating system. Uh. No. Could you tell me how to get how to get there? So essentially if you go to um at least on the Android, I don't know if it's been updated for iOS yet. Oh, if it you... looks like it's been uh I know I, I had to update the app. Okay. 
Okay, so, so it wasn't yeah. some android race that they won. All right, I mean, we don't we win them anyway. But sure. um, <laughs> go to the 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 podcast page, and now you will see there's the ability to rate us. Um, as we always say, give us a five star rating. If unless you do, uh, we're gonna assume that you are a hater. So I'm trying to bring it up on the screen here. Oh, sorry about the reflection. But you see, uh, why does it say no rating? No rating. I, I rated us. Well, I'm, I'm going to rate it. Why does it say no rating? That's weird. Oh, it says, thanks for being one of the first listeners to rate this show. Rate our show, y'all. Yeah, give, give us, us five a rating. Stars. It's new, so, you know, it's, it's okay. Oh, now it says five. So we have five ratings. Oh, snap. Somebody found it. That's what's up. So thank you to those of you who found the rating. Definitely appreciate it. I imagine, like with um, Apple Podcasts, it's probably... Moves us up in certain algorithms and so forth and so on. So we appreciate it. Yeah. Um, wherever there is a place to rate us, rate us, uh, leave a comment, leave yeah. a review. Um, we love uh, to hear from Actually, you. and also, um, Facebook has gotten into the podcast game. <laughs> so, oh, if you, uh, so if you follow our Facebook page, you may see the post. Uh, it might just be on mobile, but on the Facebook app, but you can listen to podcasts through the Facebook app. So we're on Facebook podcast as well. Are they from (laughs) Russian bots? (laughs) Stop. They fixed that. (laughs) Hey, we can, maybe we can use the the bots to our advantage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Use them to get some Jordans or something. (laughs) Win those lotteries. (laughs) All right, so uh, that'll bring us to the to the end of this episode. Um, what should we end it with? I don't know. Maybe money, cash, um, women of the night. <laughs> that started our backstage episode. Yeah. Um, Whose album was that on? Was that on Jay Z's album? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if it was on DMX's, but I didn't think so. Yeah, this was on um this very, was on volume very, two. Very odd beat. Such a weird beat. <laughs> yeah. Swiss beats was sometimes yeah. you don't know where he gets stuff no, from. No. <laughs> it was it literally just sounds like he just took a synthesizer and like Yeah. It <laughs> just like pitched it down, pitched it up, yep. pitched it down and some bass. <laughs> like there was a song he did for oh, for um uh, did they talk about it in the documentary? Oh no, it was on the uh, Rough Riders Chronicles. They talked about Swiss Beats making Rough Riders anthem, making mm-hmm. the beat for that, and that how that was really his last shot as a producer. Really? <laughs> like if this don't hit, we can't work with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. And then it's like, okay, we we, we you know you gonna make you got to make a beat for DMX, and he's like, I. Does it have to be him? <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Didn't he say it sounded like really rock? He was like, it sounds like a rock song. Yeah. Mm, I like that beat. Bro. And then he just, I don't I don't know if he wrote anything down or he just found a, like immediately found like some words to it, figured mm-hmm. out some words to it. So, yeah. Uh, Rough Riders Chronicles, y'all should check that out. Um, so, but this is Money Cash Hoes, Jay-Z featuring DMX. And uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Come on, 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 come on
Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why I flow sick? Fuck all y'all haters, no dick. I spit the game, those dope bricks. Money, cash, hoes, money, cash, chicks. Sex, murder, and mayhem, romance for the street. Only wife of mine is a life of crime and sex. Life's a bitch and many skirts and big checks. How can I not flirt with death? That's life's a nigga, long as life dinners. We gon' send a lot and pray to Christ to give us. Fuck it, ice the rest and raise the price on these niggas. Y'all can't floss on my level. I'll invite you all to get with us if you ball is glitter. When I go on the Hall of Players wall, my picture. If you get close enough, you can read the scripture. It reads money, cash, hoes. I heard it was that nigga. Money, cash, hoes, money, cash, hoes. 